Speak over your life. Speak over your life. Speak over yourself. Encourage yourself. In the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for the choir, the praise team, the dancers, the musicians, the ushers, the security people, the hospitality people. Come on, let's give God praise for everybody in here. Amen. We're glad to have you here today, especially those of you who are our guests that have come because someone has invited you. Uh, it is really the Holy Spirit that has invited you here. He just used that person that brought you and he used their mouth, their tongue, their hands, their face. But it was really the Lord that wanted you to come and wanted you to hear and to share in the word and in the service and in the worship today. And we're so glad to have you here. There are, there are thousands, literally thousands upon thousands of churches that you could have gone to. Uh, there are about three of them going on in this building right now. I think three or four churches. And so you could have went anywhere you wanted to go. So we're honored that you're here with us today. We're honored that you have come and to share with us today. Uh, each, each Sunday of the harvest, we've been giving out dinners, and uh, I want to thank those who worked so diligently on the dinner. Sister Missy did just a wonderful job with the staff, and all the harvest staff, and Sister Kay, and everybody did such a great job. And uh, my family is making dinner today for everybody. So uh, after church is over, we have dinner for everyone, um, and we let the, we're going to let the guests go first, right? I don't hear enough amens. <laughs> The guest should have a little ticket. If you're a guest and you don't have a ticket, uh, if you raise your hand, we'll get you one. Wave at us. We'll get you a ticket so we can make sure you get in the line first. All right, uh, ushers, ushers, I need an usher's attention. I got one, two, three, uh, four. I got about five or six hands. Could you go out there and get some tickets for me? Get, get about ten tickets and bring them back in, and we'll have to do it again. You can put your hand down now, but we'll do it again because we want to get you first in, in the line. Um, uh, you know, he said when the food run out, we ought to prefer our brother. <laughs> Assistant Pastor Purdue. sometimes we don't do that, but we, we need to. Uh, I told him earlier in the church service this morning on, at the south side, I said, you know, the first, first fight in church, the first fight in church was over food. If you read the, the New Testament, the book of Acts, the first conflict of the church after Jesus had died and the apostles established the church and God was saving souls in the church. The first conflict, the first fight happened over food. They said, you giving them more food than you giving us. And there was a division in the church. And so they had to take care of the division. But if we prefer our brothers, you know, and let them make sure that other people are taken care of, God always takes care of us. Amen? If you will take care of others, God will take care of you. Man, y'all look so good. Y'all always look good. Turn to somebody and say, you look good today. Amen. You look good today. Now, if they didn't tell you you look good, you might be sitting next to a hater. So, you might have to move your seat because, you know, they hating on you already. They hate that. They can't even say it. They can't even say it. They can't even say it. So, you might want to slide over or slide to another seat. Now, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I, I want to go uh, to a familiar passage of scripture again uh, in Joshua 24. You've read it before. Uh, some of us have reading. We're reading the Bible through again this year, and uh, some are just, some have some have finished already. I talked to one person said they they're done. Uh, somebody else was in the Book of Psalms already, and uh, so some people are going going on ahead and uh, can't put it down. There's no book like the Bible. There's no book like the Bible. You start at the beginning and keep on reading. It is a cohesive story. It is, it is, it is succinct. It is, it is pr prophetic. It'll help you. It'll bless you. God gives us this manual of life. That's what it is. It's a manual of his word, his will for our lives. 
You cannot know God apart from his word. And people say, well, God told me. Well, how you know God told you that? I felt it. I felt it. In my, I felt it. Well, the way you know God's talking to you is that God never contradicts his word. People say God talking to them and they go kill somebody. God told me the voices. God told me to go kill them. God didn't tell you that. God told me, God tell people strange things. No, God speaks in con, 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 cohesiveness with his word. So he's going he's gonna to say what this says. If he says, if something's being said that this don't say, that's not God. That's something else. Y'all ready for the word? All right, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter number 24. I'm going to read verse beginning, just one verse, verse 15. Of course, this is the story of Joshua after they've come out of the, uh, Egypt and they've gone through the promised land now and God has blessed them to conquer their enemies, come through the Jericho and the walls of Jericho have fallen and um, now Joshua is giving them a charge as to what they're going to do now that God has done so much for them. In verse 15, do you have it? It says, and if it seem what? Evil unto you to serve the Lord, you got to make a decision. You got to make a choice. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the flood. Or are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will. It is an act of our will. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. You don't have to turn to it, but in the book of First Kings, the prophet Elijah kind of asked the same question to the people in First Kings 18.21 when he says, how long halt ye between two opinions? You need to make a choice. How long halt ye between two opinions? He says, if the Lord is God, if he be God, then you ought to serve him. You ought to follow him. But if Baal is God or some other idol God is God for real, then you ought to serve him. Let's just serve the God that is the real God. It's interesting that in the case of Elijah that he called them to a contest on Mount Carmel. And the contest was we will call on God and the God that answers through fire, that sends fire down from heaven will know that that God has proved himself that he is indeed God. The tragedy in the story is, is that you had 450 prophets of Baal and you had one prophet of God at this time. And the tragedy is, is that these prophets of Baal who were Jews, who were Israelites, and all of these people were really, really standing around waiting on Baal to answer. What a tragedy. When you have been so made to believe that a false God is real, so much so that they would call upon that God. And so Elijah says to them, it's time to make a choice. So I want to use for a subject because the word that Joshua uses also in the Hebrews word barad means to select. It means to make a decision, to make a choice. He says, choose you which, what you're going to do. Make a choice about what you want to do. Uh, help me preach. Look at somebody and say, it will be what you choose. Look at somebody else and say, I choose to be blessed. Man, I choose to be blessed. It will be what you choose. One of the greatest and really the most powerful gifts that God has given us 
is the gift of our will. Uh, the ability to make a choice and to decide what you will do, what you will not do, is an incredible gift of God. And God has made it so that no one can control us. No one can make us do anything. No one can make us think anything. We have to somehow, of our own will and volition, choose to believe or choose to speak or choose to think. And so God gives each of us this, but this thing called the will, which is our desire, the ability to make choices and decide what I'm going to do, what you're going to do, if it's used incorrectly, it is one of the most tragic things in our lives. Not only does it bring tragedy to our lives, but it also brings tragedy to other people's lives when we use our wills incorrectly. Our God that we serve is a sovereign God. That means he has all power, all providence belongs to him. He can do what he wants to do. God has a total clear perspective at all times. He's never confused about what's happening in the world or what's going to happen or what has happened. Our God has no end and no beginning, so he sees the end from the beginning. He entertains no fears. Nothing makes him afraid. He has no ignorance at all in him. He has no needs. Our God is, has no limitations. He's limitless. He, he's a God that is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He is omnipresent. He is invincible. He's immutable. He cannot change, cannot be changed. He is a God that is infinite and he is self-sufficient, self-existent, self-sustaining. He needs nothing outside of himself to survive. He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, and no one and no thing can stop him from doing what he wants to do. Having said that, however, it is very clear in scripture that what God has is what we call he has a sovereign will, that will that he says, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and nobody's going to stop me. But then he also has what we call a permissive will or a passive will. In other words, there are times when God says, I can do whatever I want to do, but in this instance, I'm going to allow you to do what it is you want to do. That is in the parameters of God's permissive will. And so whenever we exercise our will, and sometimes we exercise our will and engage our will, and we use the freedom that we have sometimes to do things that God has told us not to do, that's why we're able to do them because God lets you have the freedom of your will. Isn't that a wonderful God? Because he really could just make you do what he wants you to do. Well, I want God to just make me do the right thing. I hear what you're saying. I, I want God to make me. No, you don't. You don't want him to make you do the right thing. You know, because sometimes there are times, if you'll be honest, there are times when um, you use your will and you really don't want God to intervene, even though you know you're about to break his plan and his purpose for your life. I need to talk to real people today. I need to, I don't need the fakers today. I need the real people. I, you know that what you're getting ready to do is not his will, but you still want to do it. You know how when you didn't feel like going to work and you wanted to take off, but you really wasn't sick, but you called the job and told them you were sick because you wanted the time off. You knew it was a lie and you didn't want God to come in and stop you from making that lie because you wanted to take 
off. And then there are people sometimes, you know, uh, they, they want to get drunk. They want to get high, you know, and uh, they want to escape their reality for a minute. They don't want God coming in messing up their high, you know, keeping them from getting high. I ain't got no real people, but I'm preaching high. I'm still going to preach and take my time. And, 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 and you know how it is, you know, there are times when, uh, you know, you wasn't married. They wasn't married. You know, wasn't uh, able to really supposed to do what uh, what they was doing. But you know, they was in the house and they had Luther on, Luther in the background, and they had the lights down low and. And you was feeling some type of way. You know, you was feeling some type of way. And you knew it was really not the thing to do. But at, at that moment, you know, you was trying to do the way. You were saying, stop, stop, stop. No, we can't do this. It wasn't no strong stop. It wasn't no strong, no, no, we cannot do it. It was no, now you know we're not supposed to do stop, 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 stop. But you didn't really, really want God to come in and shut that down right then at that moment. I, where my real people at? Let me talk to this side over here. I think you're real people over here. You did not want God to shut it down. And then there, there were times when, when somebody had did you wrong and they had just messed you, messed you up and, and you wanted to get them back. You wanted to uh, use your words. They had hurt you and you wanted to use your words to get them. But you knew you shouldn't say the things that you were going to say to them. But you didn't want God to stop you from saying it. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody here who will be real honest and say, uh, uh, preacher, pastor, well, y'all don't be, I'll be honest myself. You know, there are times when I've had to say that. Have you ever had to say to God, I'm sorry, God, for what I'm about to do? You ain't even done it yet. You, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do. I know I shouldn't say this to this person, but I'm sorry for what I got to say. I'm sorry for what I'm thinking. I know I'm not supposed to think this, but right now, this is what I'm thinking, and I need to tell you, God, that I'm sorry for thinking this. And so, we didn't want him to do that. We didn't want him to come in and disengage our wills. You wanted to do what was going on at the moment. But we all need to know, whenever you use your will, whenever you use your will in opposition position to what God's revealed will is, you must understand there are always consequences that are going to come from you and I deciding to use our wills in opposition to what God says. And so with that understanding, then I want to say that there are then two kinds of people in the world. There are people in the world, there are those who take responsibilities for their lives, and there are those who don't. There are two kinds of people, those who will take responsibility for their lives and those who don't. And so this separates then the losers from the winners. It separates successful people from unsuccessful people. It separates people who are very excuse me, productive in their lives and those who are unproductive. Responsibility. Somebody say responsibility. When you say that word, you hear immediately in that word the word able or ability and it means I am able to choose my response. I am able to choose. When something happens, there is a cause. And then after something happens, there is a cause. There is an effect. When there is a cause, there is an effect. However, between cause and effect, there is what we have is a response to the cause and to the effect. We can respond in the middle. So something can happen to us, but we can actually alter the effect by how we respond to what the cause was. Are y'all with me? Look at somebody say, stay with them, stay with them. 
And so what God does for us is helps us then that we don't have to then remain victims of fear and vulnerability. We are able to make the shift from fault into responsibility. What, why you say that, preacher? Well, because there are many things that happen to you in your life that is simply just not your fault. You know, you live in a broken, fallen world. So stuff happens. Y'all read the bumper sticker. I ain't going to say what the bumper sticker say, but y'all know what the bumper sticker say. Stuff happens. And so, uh, since we know that stuff happens, then we know that a lot of pain and suffering that has been in your life has not been caused by you. You did not cause the pain and the suffering that you're going through. Uh, something else or someone else may have caused the pain. But one of the greatest powers that God gives us is the power of our will, which gives us the power of choice, what, what Joshua was talking about in the text. It, see, one of the greatest things that God gives us is the ability then to take ownership of your own life. You have to take ownership. That means that we cannot disown our responsibility and blame our lives on someone or something else. That means that something has happened, but I can't blame my life on what has happened. Uh, you know, if, if, you sit, if you're in the wintertime and it's like two degrees below zero, and somebody drives past your house and they take a big brick and throw it into your picture window and breaks out your whole picture window. And then, uh, you know, you see your friend's house and the friend's house, just the window just all broke out and you're looking at it saying, man, what happened there? So you go into your friend's house and all your friend and the family, they sitting there huddled up and, and they cold and it's cold in here and say, man, why, why, what's going on here? They say, well, somebody broke out our window and they broke it out and it was unfair that they did that. We don't even know who that person was. And and we just sitting there, well, how long the window been broke out? Well, the window's been broke out for a week. It's been broke out for a week, and we're waiting for that person to come back and fix our window. Well, you ought to know that person is not coming back to fix your window. So, it is not your fault that your window was broken. It's not your fault that you're cold inside of your living room. But it is your fault if you keep sitting there in the same condition waiting on somebody else to make something happen in your life. Look at somebody and say, you have to own your own life. And so we're not sitting there waiting on somebody to fix something. We know that God's going to fix it. We are not those individuals because we have the power of choice. We are not those individuals that sit back and scream about justice. We are not those people that sit up and talk about what's fair and unfair. We have come to the understanding and the revelation that life simply is just not fair. And so you can sit there and talk about it's not fair, it's not fair, or it's not fair. Well, that's not going to change anything. Why you don't have any money? Well, because the stock market's crashed and the real estate market's crashed and, and I had my money invested in the market. So what you're doing about that? You're just going to wait for, you think that the economy is going to give you an apology? They're not going to give you no apology. You better get up and do something else to make your life work for you. Help me preach. Look at somebody say, my problem is my problem no matter who caused it. You see, your problem is your problem, and my problem is my problem. It doesn't matter who caused the problem. It is my problem. That's like a husband and a wife sitting uh, in the ocean in a boat, and the boat gets a big hole in the boat, and they're sitting in the middle of the ocean saying, it's unfair. This boat has a hole in it, and they should have made this boat 
water. We pay good money for this boat. And it's unfair that it's sinking. It's going down and, and we're going down. Then they look at each other and start saying, it's your fault that it got a hole in it. No, it was the manufacturer's fault. No, it was your fault that did it. Now, we can sit here and try to talk about fault all we want to. But if don't none of us get some ownership and say we got to do something about the fact that there's a hole and it really doesn't even matter whose fault it is because if we don't fix this, we both gonna drown. Can I preach in here today? See, we gotta learn how when something happens in life, it is then your responsibility and mine to get up and make something happen. And it's about the choice. Somebody say the choice. You see, we live in what we call a culture of blame. Everybody wants to blame everybody, you know. Uh, it started at the very beginning when Adam ate the fruit and God came in and they had sinned against him. When God came looking for them, he said, what did you do? What's the first thing the man said? He said, what did you do? He did what every man does. It was this woman that you gave to me. It was this woman. See, not only does he blame Eve, but he blames who? He blames God because he says, you gave her to me. You should have gave me a better woman than this woman because it's this woman that now this woman don't have nothing to do with your responsibility of what I told you. I told you don't eat the fruit and she don't have anything to do with the responsibility that I gave you. Uh, somebody was ribbing on me uh, the other day and um, they said to me, Pastor, I saw uh, you came late to church a few Sundays. I've been checking you out and you came late to church and this is kind of an inside uh, visitors excuse me guests excuse me uh, because uh, you know they know what's happening and so uh, there was a time I said the reason I'm late for church is because I be waiting on people I be waiting on folk and then they said to me what well, pastor we know now that uh, you're not waiting on any particular individual so uh, what is the excuse now because now you late all by your all by yourself so I have to take ownership of that alright yeah you got me yeah I've been running a little late and so Adam would blame and Eve blamed the serpent and so see you don't want to live in the effects of what someone else has done you you don't you know you know you don't want to live a life that's broken because somebody broke it you didn't break it somebody else broke it you know you know if, if, if I loan you my car and you break my car and you tow it back and it's broke and you decide that you don't want to fix my car you know what I'm going to do I'm going to fix it myself I am not going to wait for you to fix my car if, if, if somebody causes you emotional and psychological damage they have caused you with the things they've done against you maybe they sinned against you I don't know verbal abuse mental abuse psychological abuse and they have broke some things in you they have hurt you deeply they have wounded you and they have just hurt you and broke you psychologically and emotionally well if they don't come back and fix you then what are you going to do are you going to live the rest of your life psychologically and emotionally broken or are you going to get up and do something about what somebody else did to you and say I ain't going to live like this I got to fix what's broken in me and because I serve the kind of God that I serve he says I'll help you deal with the issues that you have if you choose me look at somebody say choose God choose God and so God made us in his image and so uh, if I burn my own house down uh, you burnt the down plan with matches you got to fix it back up you got to rebuild it doesn't matter who did it doesn't matter how it came and so what God shows us is that you're not going to sit around and wait 
for somebody else that's going to try to fix what's happening in your life. You're going to choose to make it happen with the help of God yourself. In other words, you got to make it do what it do, baby. Text somebody say, you got to make it do what it do, baby. You got to make it do what it do. You, you ain't waiting on nobody else to do it. See, God made you like himself in his image and in his likeness. When bad stuff happens to God and you do know bad stuff happens to God. Uh, 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 when Satan abdicated the throne that God gave him, that hurt God. When the angels turned their back on God. When God created the man, gave him utopia and bliss and the man decided he wanted to disobey God. That, 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 that's bad stuff that's happening to God. But what does God do? When bad stuff happens to God, God doesn't sit and twiddle his thumbs and say, well, my thing is just messed up. My plan is just messed up. What I have for the world is just messed No, 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 no. God makes uh, actions to make things better. And so it's called the plan of redemption. He said, Adam messed up. I'll bring another Adam. His name is Jesus. And he will undo what Adam did because uh, I'm not going to sit here with my stuff messed up before this is all over. It's going to be exactly what I said it's going to be. And you and I ought to have that same kind of attitude. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what happens to you. You're going to make a choice for your life and say my life will not remain the way that it is because Jesus told me I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Look at somebody and say make it happen. Make it and so God always has a plan God always has a plan and your victory, my victory it comes through the ability to be able to accept your reality to accept reality and then determining how I'm going to respond to this reality yep, it's reality, it's real, it happened but now how am I going to respond, there is where your victory comes in, you are not powerless, say that I'm not powerless you're not powerless, you have a God that can do anything and he empowers you. That's why Joshua is telling them you need to make a choice. You can choose to stay with God that has empowered you to do all that you've done and will bless you more. Or you can choose to walk away from him and try to do it on your own. You are not powerless. That means that you have a conscious choice and an ability to look past your current reality or your current circumstances and realize that you have other options. You are not optionless. You are a person and need to be people and we all do that are able to be adaptive and to adopt. You got to be flexible. You got to be able to flex with what's going on around you. If I can't get through this door, then I'll try this door. If I can't get through this one, then I'll try this one. See, when you're flexible and you're adapt, you're fragile, you're agile, and, and, and adaption, adaptation is essential for success. You got to be able to flow. You can't have rigid demands. You can't have these rigid demands. Well, the only way it can happen is got to happen like this. The only person I can be happy with is that I have this person. The only job that's going to make me happy is this job. No, 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 no. You can't have rigid demands. You have to understand that nothing in life, nothing and no one in life is indispensable except Jesus Christ. I hope y'all stay with me just a little bit. No one and nothing is indispensable except Jesus Christ. That means that you can get along without them. We need people, but you don't need any particular person. And if I don't have this particular 
regular person, I'm not able to make it. No, the devil is still a liar. So you need to understand, and people need to understand that it's in your life. That they're in your life, and, and, and they're not a need, because that if they walk out of your life, you wouldn't be able to make it. So they should be in your life because they are a benefit, not because they are a need. Can I preach like a feel? You see, you, they need to know that the reason that you're there is because it's beneficial. It's not because if they leave you, you can't survive without them. God doesn't want you depending on anybody or anything or any job or any money or any bank account or any stock account. I don't care what it is. God says you can lose anything as long as you have me. I will supply your everything if you just have me. You got it all. Somebody shout hallelujah. You have everything you need. And so what happens is the gospel of Jesus Christ, it becomes the power of God. It is the power of love and freedom. Somebody say freedom. That's what he came to do to make us free. He that the sun sets free is what? I got some Bible readers. You're free indeed. See the freedom, the ability to be unshackled, the, the ability to be unshackled from the things that life and, and what other people have done to you. You are no longer bound. You are no longer uh, uh, some, something that's bound, that, that's chained up, where you have a learned helplessness. You know, you hear sometimes people say, I can't help it. I don't know. I can't make it. No, 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 no. You are not in a helpless, bound situation. It's like a circus elephant. You, you ever see a circus elephant these big giant elephants they they'll have a little chain on their leg and a little spike in the ground and the elephant just stands there you know why that is it's because that when the elephant was a baby elephant they would put that chain on his leg and spike him to the ground and he was not able to move so he learned over the years that when the chain is there and the spike is there I can't move anywhere as he grows with this knowledge he becomes a full adult elephant but never understands that I'm strong enough to rip this chain out of this, this land and keep it moving but because I have been conditioned to think that I have to stay here when the chain is on then I can't do anything better. What Jesus came to do is to open the prison doors of our lives the prisons of depression the prisons of failings the prisons of all of the negativity and the anxiety the prisons of fear the prisons of abuse that you didn't do to yourself but once he opens the door you and I have to make a choice to get up and walk out of the door sometimes you have been so conditioned that the door is open and we still sitting there looking like we can't get out of this slap a neighbor and say the door is open the door is open and so then when the door becomes open we are no longer bound by what has been in the past when, uh, they tell me when when the dog is being trained uh, I used to have dog and, and dogs and we had the electric fence and, and what we would do is put a, a shock collar on their neck and so we would draw them up to the to the line and have the line there so they could see it and the little bell would ring and when the bell ring we would take them a little further and a shock would come they 
they would shock them in the neck. Then we take them back and do it again and, and we do the perimeter and take them and, and, and once they get the shock, they don't need to get the shock. When they hear the bell, they know that the shock is coming after the bell so then I can't go any further than this. Once they get the parameters in their mind, we remove the flags that's visible and so now when you come look at the yard, you see no fence, you see nothing, but you see the dog, he's, he's angry or he's barking at somebody and they just, he's just barking and, and raring to go, but he will go no further because he knows that if I go further, I'll get the shot. Now, the fence can be down or unplugged. It's not working. In other words, the boundary that the, that the person has put on you is gone, but because you're so scared, you ain't going to even test the waters to see is way it used to be. Is it still like that? Or do I have some freedom now? See, sometimes people get the Holy Ghost and get saved, but you've been so conditioned to how life used to be that you think it's going to be the same way this time. When you went and tried to get the job the last time, they told you no. But now that you have chose God, God said, go back and ask them again. And don't stop until you get the yes. I don't care if 10 banks toned you down for your loan. There are 10 more that you still got to try. And you got to make a choice. Am I going to give up? Or am I going to keep pushing? Tell somebody I'm going to keep I'm going to keep pushing in here. And so, and so what God says to us is that because you're not bound, you are free. You are free to make some decisions. I have given you the incredible gift of your will and you need to decide. What are you going to do with the gift? Our text we read, Joshua, he's standing here saying, I am venerated. I am the leader. And I'm telling you what God has done. If you read the text, he's saying all these things that God has done for us. He's delivered us. He's brought Abraham. Then he brought Isaac and Jacob down through the lineage. Brought Moses to get us out of this Egyptian bondage. He says, now God has done all that for you. What are you going to do? Are you going to serve him? Are you going to worship him? Or are you going to keep living the way you've been living? What are you going to do? Are you going to fight? And he says, God says this, I'm taking you out of slavery, but you're going to have to fight to get in your land. In other words, you got to walk from Egypt to the promised land. I'm not going to carry you. You got to get a sword and a spear and a shield, but I will fight with you. We sit around sometimes waiting on God to do something for us. When God said, I did something for you when I changed you with my power, now I'm waiting on you to do something for yourself. Don't let me give you all this authority and power and you don't use it to change your own life. Look at somebody and say, I got power to make a change. And that change has to be the choice. It is the choice when we give even today an altar call. And those who have never accepted Christ, we're going to say, do you want to accept Jesus? That's your time to make a decision and a choice. Do you want to be baptized? That's your time to make a decision and a choice. Repentance is a choice. God's not going to make you repent. God's not going to make you serve him. God is like you are in his image. You are. Who in here won't 
somebody in your life because you have to make them be in your life does anybody want a lover that you got to make be in your life you want somebody who wants to be there and if they don't want to be there you're saying to them the door swings both I wish I could preach here it don't mean you ain't gonna try to fix what's going on but it takes two to make it happen and so you don't want somebody that don't want to or that you got to make be here God is saying I gave you a real because when I reach for you I want you to come to me because you want to come to me so today repentance is a choice salvation is a choice I'm saved because he called me and I chose to respond to his call salvation to come out of depression is a choice change is a choice you don't have to be the way you are neither do I whatever we don't like look at somebody say we can make a change that's what Joshua said I need you to decide today what you want to do with the rest of your life see the psychologists tell us this they tell us that the best predictor of the future is the past in other words whatever the future is going to predict the future is predicted by what's happened in the past and so then whatever you have been getting you're going to continue to get as long as you continue to do what you have done in the past if you don't want your future to be what the past has been then there has to be what we call transition and transformation and growth you got to learn some new things ain't no sense in me thinking that stuff gonna get better if I know the same stuff today that I knew yesterday how can I make anything better I can't change if I still got the same mind I had on yesterday insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect some kind of a different result you're going to mess up every relationship you have until you learn how to have better relationships by the growth that's in yourself no preacher I need them to change no you don't need them to change you need you to change because when you change you you change everything around you should I preach in this house shake a neighbor and say neighbor it's time to make some changes around here you got to change what you're doing you got to change what you're learning you got to do better things that's why we come to church every Sunday because every Sunday I get a word of revelation so I can live a better life I, I read books all the time you got to read some books somebody say well I tried counseling it doesn't work how many counseling sessions did you go to somebody say I tried church and it don't work how long did you go to church I went to church for three months how many times did you cut a fit and act a mess in the world you acted a mess more than three months why don't you give the church as much time as you gave the devil in the world and you will see that God will change everything about your life shake somebody say I'm changing now because I'm making a choice for better what do you choose in here look at a neighbor say I choose I choose to be blessed I choose a better behavior I gotta make some new habits and I gotta do some new things you make choices when you choose salvation you choose to not perish but have everlasting life if you believe on me Jesus says you shall not perish but have everlasting life you choose to be delivered you choose he that the sun sets free he's free indeed you can choose to be free from addiction 
You choose to be free from poverty. You choose to be free from hatred and unforgiveness. You choose, you can choose. I ain't gonna be poor. Touch your neighbor and say, I ain't gonna be poor. Because I choose not to be poor. And I got enough sense to read a book to see what the rich people do. And if I mimic success, then I'll have success. I didn't gave too many offerings to be poor. I gave too much time to be poor. God said, if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Shake your neighbor's hand like you're going to shake it out. Can I preach y'all? And say, neighbor. You can come out of that addiction. Pastor, you talking about me. I've been struggling with alcohol for a long time. And I want to come out and make a choice to come out. It is not just saying I want to come out. It's saying I'm going to get in a program that helps me come out. If I got to go to an AA meeting to get some new principles because I don't know how. Have you ever been in something that you didn't know how to fix? God, I need a real church in here. I have. I've been in situations I didn't know how to fix. I used the extent of my understanding. And then I just came to the conclusion. I got to get some help here. Because I don't know how to solve this one. But notice the choice that you made. You didn't make a choice to say, well, whatever. Well, that's just how life is. No. I don't want my life to be like this. So I'm going to make a choice to make a change. Do I got anybody in here that can hear Joshua today? Standing up in front of these people saying, listen, I have told you how good God is. You have watched God do miracle after miracle. You have watched God bring you out of the land of Egypt. God said, your haters, I cause all your haters to fall away from you. See, sometimes we can't do stuff because we're worried about what somebody else got to say. God said, the lack hired the lamb to curse you. I don't care who tries to curse you. When you make a choice for Jesus, it ain't got no power. I wish I had a church in here that would say, Lord, I choose you. I choose you, God. He said, God said, I took the enemies and I ran them out before you. I drove out the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hevites. I gave you vineyards that you didn't plant. I gave you stuff that you didn't have to build. And now I'm asking you a question. Do you want to keep going forward in your life? Do you want to make some good choices in your life? Well, choose you this day. Who you going to serve? Who y'all want to serve? Somebody said, ah, I'm going to serve Jesus. He said, if you serve me, I'll give you power to overcome. I'll give you power to be victorious. I'll give you power to heal the hurts inside of you. I don't care what man rejected you. I'll cause you to be accepted in the blood. I don't care what person walked out on you. I don't care how broke you are right now. Shake your neighbor, say, neighbor, I feel a recovery coming on. I might not have it now, but if you ever had anything before, 
you can get it again and get more the next time. I heard Donald Trump say I was $900 million in debt and I thought I was poor. Then the man over there on the corner, at least he didn't owe nobody, but I owe $900 million. But the one thing Donald said, the same man that made it the first time, if I just tweak it a little bit, I can do it again. Give a neighbor high five and say neighbor. God said you can do it again. If you ever had success anywhere, success is in your blood. Success is in your DNA. If you ever been anointed, you can be anointed again. If you ever felt his power, you can feel it again. I wish I had a bass player where he at. Look at a neighbor and say neighbor. This is harvest time. We harvest and souls, but we're harvesting our stuff back. Whatever the enemy has tried to get from you, it's about to change. I feel change in the atmosphere. I wish I had a believer that was celebrating. Do I have anybody in here that would declare in the devil's face? I might not have much this year, but by this time next year, good God Almighty, I feel anointed in here. Tell a neighbor, neighbor, I might not have much now, but by this time next year, things will be different. You might have stumbled along your way, but get up out of that stumble. Maybe you stumbled in sin. Get up out of that stumble. Shake yourself off and say, I'm going to keep on moving. They tell me that Edison failed 10,000 times before he made a light bulb. They tell me that Walt Disney filed bankruptcy six times before he made it big. They tell me that Hershey's chocolate filed bankruptcy seven times before he did it. Shake a neighbor's hand. Say, neighbor, how many times have you tried? How many times have you filed bankruptcy? Oh, you ain't never done it yet? You still got somewhere to go. You don't give up on the first time. I hear somebody single in here saying, Pastor, I can't find no woman. When I go and talk to them, they tell me, that's all right, brother. Talk to the hand. I got a word for you. You need to increase your failure weight. I'm going to say that again because y'all didn't get it. I said you need to increase your failure weight. If they've been turning you down, keep on going. Because after a while, you're going to find somebody that don't turn you down. If you're a salesperson, if you got to make a hundred calls to get one sale, then make a hundred calls. Whatever you got to do, as long as you're alive, don't take no for an answer. He said, choose you this day. Look at somebody and say, I, I choose well. I choose power. I choose anointing. I choose favor. I choose 
happiness are too sure are too Jesus because he will give you everything you need he'll supply every need according to his riches and glory if I have Jesus you have it all if you have Jesus he'll hook you up where you need to be hooked up if you have Jesus he's got a job waiting on you if you have Jesus he's got a quality relationship waiting on you if you have Jesus shake a neighbor like you're gonna wake up and say man what you gonna choose when you choose to praise him when you choose to worship him when you choose to honor him I choose my world to be blessed if you don't mind just turn around like this see why are we turning around preacher cause I'm turning around cause of everything in my world in my circle is going to be blessed cause he said if you ask you shall receive I'm asking for you to be blessed come on in my circle 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 anybody that's in my circle I ain't gonna just be blessed we gonna be blessed find you somebody that know they're choosing God know they're choosing blessing and say let me get in your circle if you can't find nobody make your own circle how is somebody would turn around say ah I'm making uh, my own circle ah making my harvest my power my anointing is coming back your family coming together your money coming together your strength your health somebody praise I wish I had a worshiper choose choose you want Jesus or you want the leftovers choose to make your life better choose throw those hands up and say yes for me and my house we shall serve the Lord now praise him like you're gonna serve him somebody holler in here like you're gonna serve him oh. I don't care what happened I'm gonna serve him it don't matter what others do you gonna serve him as for you in your house, you shall choose to serve the Lord. You choose success. You choose happiness. Happiness don't just happen to you. You choose it. It don't just happen. You choose to have an education. Knowledge doesn't just jump in your head. You chose to go to school and go through the process of making change in your life. How many want next year this time to be so much better than this year? Look at your neighbor and say, you see my hand? Because I'm making a choice right now. But next year this time, 
things are gonna be better. I'ma have more money. I'ma have more job. I'ma have my own business. I'ma be more anointed. I'ma have a greater relationship with God. You're gonna have a greater relationship with people. You're gonna know more than you know right now. Because you choose it. Oh. Oh. You're gonna have more honey. God said, I have for you greatness. He said, the promised land is filled with greatness. But you have to choose to take it. I've given you a life. You have to choose to take it. There's no life that doesn't have tragedy. There's no life that doesn't have conflict and problems. The difference is, they didn't allow the tragedy and the conflict to debilitate them. They chose to do something different. When it happened to them. Tell somebody that same thing that happened to you happened to me. In some senses it did. The same thing that happened to them. You lost your job. The market crashed on you. Your marriage went bad. This person is still married, but their marriage is in conflict. Then there's somebody whose marriage is doing so wonderful, but they've been through what you've been through. And they can say, it worked for me, it can work for you. You gotta make some different choices. Both people got to make different choices we live in America there's no reason for us to be poor unless we choose poverty there's no way that someone can come to this country with nothing and take advantage of what's in this country and make something happen out of it and we're in this country born trained and raised and we can't do nothing the devil is a liar we have to make some new choices and whatever we don't know how to do we're going to go find out how to do it you got a drug problem, we're going to pray for you and God's going to deliver you from those drugs. But then you still need some help. You need some human help to teach you how not to go back to it. To teach you how to deal with the cravings that you have. You're in an abusive relationship, we're going to help you. Because the Lord is going to teach you some things to respond differently. Listen, you can't change people. You can't change who you're in a relationship with. You can't change them. All you can do is change yourself to respond differently to the negative things that they do. Because if I could learn to respond differently to the negative things you do, we can, we can begin the process of healing. And that starts with me. It doesn't start with the other person. It starts with me. If I can change some things about my financial situation, sometimes just a mind shift. You know, I'm going to start saving $10 a week or $10 a month. It's just a mind shift. I'm going to save $10 a month. I'm going to look at what I can do. What do I have around me that can make something happen? Help me please say everything that's big started small. Every company that's big, it started small. Every church that's big, it started small. Amen. Every wealth that has been amassed, it was started small. Started with a little bit of money. Somebody got a loan or whatever. It was. Everything starts that way. Nothing starts big. They might have taken over another co co company, but it's because they had enough money already built up. But you have to start it. And you have to have the motivation to keep pushing. Uh, listen, I want to pray for you. I want, I want the altar workers to come. Those that are going to pray. These people that are coming want to pray for you. If you're here today, listen. And you need to make a better choice. I want you to come now. Now this is about you. This is your part. Help me preach. Look at somebody say, this is your part. This is what God won't do for you. This is your part. What is my part, preacher? Your part is to say, God, I want to make another choice. I want to make a better decision for my life. The Bible said, if you repent... 
and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. Now listen, repentance is an act of your will. He doesn't make you do it. Repentance means you saying to God, Lord, I'm sorry for the choices that I've made that have not been what you would have had me do. And I want you to help me now to make better ones. That's what repentance is. That's the part you have to do. And I have to do. That's the part. You're getting about those seeds. Give God praise for all these people that are coming. Come on, altar workers. Come on, let's, let's work. Hallelujah. Let's give them some help. Come on, preachers. Where my preachers at? Listen. If you need the baptism, we have a pool to baptize you in. What is that? It's a choice. You're choosing to wash away your sins, whatever you've committed in your past. God says, I'll wash every one of them away from you. When you go into the water, it's a death. You're dying to your old self, rising to your new self. That is a choice. I'm saved because I chose to be. It doesn't mean that I chose God first. It means he chose us first. Because God said, for he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? That what? That what? Whosoever. Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish. Belief is a choice. It's will. You must will to believe a thing. You, you must will to believe that. And if you don't will to believe it, God's not going to force it on you. Everybody that God ever used, he came and offered them a choice. And people that turn him down, he'll move to another person. Every king that ever came to the throne of Israel, God said the same thing to every king that ever came to the throne of, of Israel, of Judah. He told every king, if you will serve me the way David served me, I will bless you. So he told every king, if you will choose to serve me the way David, King David served me, I'll bless you. King David served God with his whole heart. Doesn't mean he was perfect because we know King David was not what? He was not perfect. He was a murderer. He murdered someone. He even committed adultery. But God said, those things that he did, he repented for them. And he became godly sorrow for them. And he still loved me even though he did those things. He was still in love with me. And that's what God told every king that came to the throne. He said, if you will serve me with your whole heart, like David did, I will bless you. Sometimes people think that being a Christian is being perfect. God says, I'll forgive you if you serve me with your whole heart. If you serve me in sincerity, I'll forgive you. If you just come and tell me you want it, I'll forgive you. God holds no grudges doesn't mean there's not consequences for stuff that people do. It is. But God says, I'll even help you with that. I'll give you the power and the strength to endure whatever it has brought. I'll give you the ability to endure. You just need to come. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and celebrate these people that has come. Oh, somebody say, Lord, thank you for the souls. Say thank you for choice and change and power. Thank you for choice and change and power. Thank you for choice, change and power. You can change, but you got to have some help. Come to church and keep hearing the word. It'll change you. Get around some good people that want to go like you want to go upward and mobile. Some people that are not always complaining about what happened to them and finding fault and blaming other people. It's not your fault, but it is our fault if we remain the way we are when God has given us the power to change. It's not your fault that the person left. It's not your fault that they fired you. We got a brother here, right here, praying right here. Fired him on his job, and a good job. Fired him because 
the owner of the company wanted him to do something illegal. And he told him, I won't do that. He stood by his values. And the man fired him because he wouldn't do the wrong thing. Sometimes you can get hurt because you did the right thing, not because you did the wrong thing. But whenever you stand for God and for what's right, he says, I got you. Because those of us here, we know his story. God gave him a better job than the one he had. Gave him a vice president job. Company he used to work for was a company that I want to say they made about $20, $30 million a year. Company he works for now, they make billions of dollars a year. Look at this. Look at this. Look how God works. Look at somebody say, look how God works. He, he became the vice president. And the company he used to work for that fired him got into some trouble. And they needed to sell their company. They approached the company he now works with and asked them, will you please acquire us so we don't go down and go out of business. The owners of the company he worked for gave him the decision whether or not to purchase the company that fired him. So the company that fired him now is at his mercy to say, will you keep us from going down and going under? You see, sometimes the very people who try to hurt you, God had those same people have to come back to you and say, will you help me? I know I tried to hurt you, but will you help me? Because God will turn a thing around. What the devil means for evil, God works it, makes it work for your good. See, that's the sovereignty of God. That's the providence of God. How could this stuff that's happened in my life that's so terrible work? God said, if you will come to me, I will cause that stuff that was so bad to mean good things for you and make good things come out of it for you. I know you don't know how. I don't either. God does it in his own sovereign will. I'll make it work for your good.